With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I held my breath for as long as I could. And I sunk myself to the bottom of your room. Hey friends. Today's guest is the Brooklyn, New York-based singer-songwriter Verite. We take a deep dive into the hit single, Younger Women, taken from her 2020 EP, New Limbs, Volume 1. Verite shared the inspiration behind the song's lyrics, which at the time were extremely painful and wrought with anger, but she wouldn't change a thing. Younger Women is 4 minutes and 36 seconds of some of the catchiest electro-pop there is. She co-produced the track along with Aaron Forbes, and truly credits him with giving the song all of those special added nuances that really set it apart from just a standard pop track. I mentioned that I love how the song's melody constantly changes and the song gets bigger and bigger, finally culminating with the last chorus. And have you ever heard of a tin can of shame? Well, you will. For all this and a bunch more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. I heard your Brooklyn accent on coffee there. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, I, it's um, my mom is from Brooklyn and it's like there. I grew up an hour north, but some things have seeped into my subconscious. Some some things have seeped in. Well, that's great. Want to give uh, the listeners a little bit a uh, little bit of history on on, on Verte. Uh, Verte means truth in French. I did not know that. Learn something new every day. Yeah, I, I mean, I speak no French. And honestly, the, the name decision was I gave myself a deadline. I know I wanted a, a pseudonym and I wanted a little bit of detachment from uh, Kelsey. And I committed and now it's who I am. I am the truth. There you go. Well, you got your, uh, I'm going to call it your professional start in 2014, but it says you've been writing songs uh, since you were 16 years old. You've released two full-length records and six EPs, the latest being 2020's New Limbs Volume 1, uh, which is uh, the song that we're going to be talking about today, Younger Women. So you've been uh, you've been busy. I have been. Six EPs? That's so many EPs. <laughs> I feel like they just, the, the EPs... Uh... They just kind of flow out of you and you don't realize that you, you know, they add up to full albums. Well, it kind of used to be the other way around. You, you'd put a bunch of albums out and you do EPs. Out. I think that the, the tides have kind of changed. Uh, you know, things are different. Now, a lot of people are just, as, as you know, just releasing singles and not even doing full length albums or EPs anymore. Yeah, I really like the EP format. It feels a bit more digestible and I think gives you a little bit more flexibility and room to to play. Uh, mm -hmm. without the confines of, of having to create a much bigger world for an album. That makes a lot of sense. Well, um, a couple things before we, we break, start breaking down the song, we get into that. Um, what is your, your songwriting process like? So do you play guitar? Do you play piano? Or how, how do you write when you, when you sit down to write a song? I play piano uh, primarily. I play very remedial guitar, but I think the limitations of that actually can help me in some ways, uh, just because my brain interprets that instrument in such a simple way. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've definitely tracked a bunch of guitars for that EP, New Limbs. But I think it's different for every song. I think that... My favorite writing process, and I think what yields the songs that feel uh, the closest to me and I believe are the best are songs written how Younger Women was written, which is me and a piano and really focusing on the core of the song and then beginning to slowly produce it out. 
and kind of give it a bit more character and more life. But it's really focused on the melody and the lyrics and the song structure. Gotcha. And what typically comes first to you? Is it the lyric? Is it a melody? Or is it maybe some piano chords or, or a guitar chord? What 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 typically? Or is it uh, all over the place like me? <laughs> it's all over the place. I actually have maybe they're still on my phone, the voice memos of when I actually wrote Younger Women because I have a horrific memory. So I wind up recording all of these very early um, ideas because I I don't want to miss a melody and then not be able to remember it. And so it all comes at once. Like I'll sit down and I'll hit a piano note and then I'll sing a note and then I'll start mumbling in a way. And Mm -hmm. sometimes maybe I'll have a phrase written down in my phone that I try and fit into that context. Sometimes I don't. Um, And so I feel like it's definitely slowly molding a very lumpy bit of clay. And it's the second you find a good idea, whether it's a chord or whether it's a little melody or whether it's a few words, it's like you hold on to that and that becomes an anchor point. And then slowly but surely as you progress, it's like you get more and more anchor points. And then you kind of use a bit of like creative problem solving to figure out how you tie those anchor points together. Do you usually know when you come up with an initial idea, if it's going to be something or I, 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 I typically know. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely, at least for me, I write a lot of bad music that no one will ever hear. Um, me too. You write as we, as we all do, but you, you know, when something is good because there is a motivation to continue with it. Like I'm not going to sit there on a progression and a melody that feels bad to me. I'm going to change mm-hmm. it until it feels good. So it's almost like you're, you're, you want to slot it in and you're kind of meandering around until you kind of make a goal and you're like, okay, cool. That feels good. I'm going to keep that. And your voice and, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. It has a, uh, just this rich old soul kind of quality to it. And what are some of your your influences that, that you could cite? I, I typically try to ask that question because I've been asked that so many times it gets boring. But yeah. I, I really I really have to know because you have such a such a unique voice. Thank you. And I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of the cranberries, the breeders, Fiona Apple. Then I went into like my 90s pop, Nelly Furtado, Michelle Branch phase. But uh, but I feel like the Cranberries, especially like when I was younger, I used to cover Zombie. It was the only song I could play on the guitar. It was uh, Zombie by the Cranberries and What's Up by the Four Non Blondes. I mean, but they were, it was like two years of me only covering those two songs, uh, you know, at like, you know, 11, 12 years old. And so just like these really powerful female voices. And I think like, I really admired those women, especially Fiona Apple and the idea of they, they all had very distinct voices and distinct melodic structures. And, and my goal is to always kind of carve a path out for myself where I, I want people to be able to listen to a song of mine and feel like this is definitely a verite song. Like this isn't some song that can exist and anyone can sing it. Like I want it to have a home in my world. Well, this this track definitely does. Thank you. <laughs> it just has a lot of a lot of human emotion. It's 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 really cool. Something else I find really intriguing is that you're basically an independent artist, and to have the success that you've achieved, I mean, you haven't had like super major label. Back Backing, uh, you become what I'm calling a, a, a Twitter and kind of a Spotify phenomenon with all, all these plays that, that you have. And um, what what do you attribute that to besides great songwriting? Is it the team behind you? It's just, uh, again, uh, I, I was really surprised that you've just been releasing project after project independently. It's really, really refreshing and cool to see. Thank you. And it's really nice to hear an outside perspective because I feel like I'm always, I'm so inside of my project and it feels like I'm day, I'm on the ground with the day-to-day challenges of that and figuring out, cool, how do we break through this next ceiling and this next ceiling, especially with an ever-changing music industry landscape. Right. But like, I think I can, I attribute it to 
a lot of hard work and low expectations. You know, my (laughs) I have a brilliant team around me, but my core team is me and my manager. And we just have a vision for how we can succeed. And I've been independent kind of before it was the cool and trendy thing to do before it was accessible to a lot of people to be independent. Now we have all of these distribution companies and label services companies that allow for both things. And I think early on in my career, I really saw the limitations of myself as an artist, not wanting to play the radio game and not wanting to feel like my autonomy and freedom to move forward was blocked in any way. And so I kind of self-funded and took this independent approach very intentionally. And I think where it's landed me is, is a position where, you know, six, seven, I guess, seven years, like I'm still doing this and, and have Mm -hmm. built a really solid foundation and have a lot of freedom of choice in how I move forward. And that's what's most important to me. Well, that's an amazing outlook. And and I'll tell you why, you know, uh, the radio, commercial radio, uh, they'll they'll chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, Uh, exactly. It's a a short game. I mean, there's very (laughs) few uh, of the huge superstars that can last 30 years in that, in in that game. Uh, And you've built a core base that's going to stay with you and it's just growing. And, and again, your, your, your numbers are, are insane. And the fact that, uh, you're doing it on your own terms is, uh, I, I said it before, it's, it's refreshing and really cool to see. Amazing. I, it, it's really nice. Like I said, to have an outside perspective, view the project like that. Cause on the inside, I'm just like more, we like, we got to keep pushing and churning. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> relentless. Yeah, no. Well, I think that's that's the uh, the the game we're in. You know, as you said, just uh, you know, try try to keep those expectations low and and be a little lighthearted as you seem to be, and I hope that help helps to get you through. Um, this track was produced by yourself and uh, Aaron Forbes. Uh, Aaron has worked with Coin, uh, Billie Eilish, Banks, and Halsey. That's uh, n- nothing to sneeze at there. <laughs> so, how did you uh, end up hooking up with him? So Aaron and I actually have the same manager. And so it was a very, um, that process was very easy. We've known each other for years. And I think that COVID and quarantine kind of pushed us to work in this manner. Uh, Before then, we had done a few sessions together. And, you know, my writing process when I'm in sessions, it's really hit or miss whether I write a song that works. Um, And so our process was really me sitting and kind of presenting him, you know, a half produced, fully written song and saying, cool, I've hit my ceiling on this. I need new eyes. I need new blood. Like I really want to work this song out with you. And so that process, I feel like was really refreshing and exciting for me. And I feel like I learned a lot as well because I got to have somebody interpret my production and elevate it, which, uh, I'm really grateful for. Well, that's a great perspective because I've always felt that I can take my song only as far as I can. And I know there's something great there sometimes, but like, where does it go from here? And you said, get that fresh set of eyes on it, you know? So this particular track, Young, um, Younger Women, so when it was written, was it pretty much all the same when you produced it or, or uh, presented it to Aaron? Yeah. So Younger Women, I've been co-producing music. I co-produced my last record, um, I've always been very involved in the production process, but never uh, fully embodied the role of producer, like producing from my own session on my own computer with my own tools. Uh, Part of that was the fact that it wasn't my general skill set and it was something that needed to be developed. And so COVID hit and I was very alone and having a mild nervous breakdown and I really doubled down on production. And so Younger Women is actually the first song that I produced myself, um, that I sat oh, wow. that I sat down, I programmed the drums, I programmed all of those synths, I came up with the uh, the core arrangement. Um, I So it's like a lot of the meat of that kind of came from myself messing around within the first month of quarantine. And it was this exhale of a moment to be like, oh, this role that I've kind of been taking, but on the sideline, it was really empowering to sit at the helm and be like, oh no, I'm absolutely a producer. I'm not as good of a producer as Aaron when it comes to the technical ability, when it comes to the reinterpretation of how he he molded and crafted those sounds and, and the vision he added. But it was really a brilliant experience to be like, okay, moving forward, I'm doing way more 
development on my own because I'm very capable of that. That's that's awesome. So the skeleton of the song and the arrangement, pretty much in the lyric, everything was there when you presented it to him, and then he just added the bells and whistles. Yeah, I mean, I think what he did was I I gave him a slightly more molded <laughs> lump of clay, but it there was no it, it lacked a bit of sonic definition, right? And and that mm-hmm. was in part like I could I was struggling with the bass and and how that sat in the mix, and I was struggling with how to um just make it a more dynamic piece of music right it was a bit uh linear and so i think that he really added so much detail and nuance that was completely necessary well we're going to uh, uh, jump into the track here it was released on october 9th 2020 from the new limbs volume 1 ep and uh the song's 4 minutes and 31 or 36 seconds and a lot of times, you know, uh, pop songs are, you know, are in that three minute wheelhouse I've, I've found. Uh, sometimes you start getting over the four minute mark and songs start to drag. This song doesn't sound like four minutes and 36 seconds to me. It just it goes by really quick. And just I think it's just because the song's so good, you know. Thank you. Yeah, the form is a bit strange. And I think that I allowed I I, I don't really consider form when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes that works to my benefit because you come up with something unique where I'm keeping myself entertained as I write it. Therefore it's more entertaining (laughs) for the listener as they listen. And every once in a while you have to go back and say, okay, that was gratuitous and trim it down. But this was that very, it was just a lucky moment, honestly, where it was just like the song was written in a linear way and the kind of ebbs and flows of it. I think keep you generally engaged because things come that you're not necessarily expecting. Yeah. And some, when, sometimes songs, when they're written in a linear flow, they can tend to be boring or, you know, not interesting, but this is linear in a sense that it, from the beginning of it, it keeps building. There's, there's nothing here I would trim. The song just gets more interesting as it goes along. And it's just, it's really great. So it starts off just with you singing and there's just something really personal about this vocal uh, when it comes on. I held my breath for as long as I could And I sunk myself to the bottom of your room And I waited still impatient For you to cut me starts out with a piano synth, just single notes at the top. I held my breath for as long as I could, and I sunk myself to the bottom of your room. And I waited, still impatient, for you to cut me like a blade would, considering the time between when we first locked eyes and when you walked out on me. You were not what I expected. All kill and no regret. And a couple things before you set this up. The first four lines uh, of the verse, like there's this piano synth with some single notes. At the second half, the piano gets busier there. So it's already kind of starting to build the song. After the word expected, it's the only time I hear this in the song. Do you hear or do you know like there's like something like seagulls there? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were light what I expected. Okay. There, that's that's an Aaron move. Aaron added uh, just to create, like a again. You want to put music into a space, and he uh, put this environment track, and it like and and out of context, you're just like, why the fuck are we at the beach? Um, but in you you in context, it just like it's really really subtle. But like you hear birds, and you hear like a little wind rustling, and it just yeah. it kind of takes you into like a bit of a different dimension. I don't think I noticed it the, maybe the first, second, or third time, but I, I probably heard this song 30 times in the last couple of days. It's been really getting into it, and it's just, uh, I, I kept <laughs> kept rewinding. I'm like, whoa, what is that? But it adds something. It's just, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Thank you. I love when people notice like the smallest, smallest things, because I notice those things when I listen to other people's music, and I'm really intentional as I add them to mine, because you want you, you want to create a more dynamic experience for the listener. 
Did Aaron mix the track too? No, uh, John Castelli, who mixed my last record and the whole new Limsy uh, EP. Okay, so so when did you hear the seagull? Were you in the studio with Aaron, or did he make a rough mix and give it to you? You're like, what the hell is that? So we, Aaron and I, did all the production, or, or probably ninety percent of like the production that he worked on on Zoom, or pro- actually not on Zoom, on uh, FaceTime. So we would FaceTime and then have the session open, and he sent me an audio movers link, and so we like. He scrolled through a few environment things, but he was just like, I feel like we need there's also kids playing as well somewhere in there. Uh, So I think I think I know where it's at. Yeah, (laughs) you're just like, I have listened. We'll we'll get there. (laughs) No, I think I think this part's great. I think that's really cool that he sent you a couple options. Like, I think this is the one that's that's a that's a cool way to uh, to produce. Yeah, I think it's you got to go with your gut. Like, I think production is so much of experimentation but eventually you have to make a decision and until it goes to mix your decision can always change yeah for sure something else that i, I mentioned a moment ago that I, that I love about this first verse is it just it sounds personal and i i feel like there's some pain there that i can actually <laughs> feel that i can actually feel oh yeah you know you 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 have to be able to sell that i mean i had a producer tell me when i was young i was probably 21 and he said you're not selling it and i'm like what's he talking about i didn't know what that meant and i just i think i wasn't feeling it i was young and maybe that lyric wasn't grabbing me but sometimes when you write a lyric and it hits you here it translates from your heart through the microphone on onto uh, the the recording and and i can feel that here yeah i mean i think a lot of the music that I write is is intended to to share a feeling, and most of my feelings are dark, right? And but at this particular juncture, I mean, my life had really disintegrated um, through like a, a long story that I won't get fully into. But it, you know, it was the end of a relationship. He won't mind me talking about this because it's all we've mended. It's COVID, you know, (laughs) I mean, you, you come full circle. Um, But, you know, I was with my partner for so long and he was my creative partner as well. Right. We, we, we co-produced new skin together and, you know, there was just, you know, circumstances which caused that to disintegrate at the beginning of COVID. And so it was like having the rug pulled out and all you have is this pain and only time to sit in it. And I think I'm really grateful for that experience because it's such a gift to be able to just sit and not have the opportunity to be distracted. There was nowhere to go. There wasn't Mm -hmm. enough television to watch. And so (laughs) I sat and just played this song this was like my first month of quarantine writing and producing this um with all of that pain with all of that and so the fact that it translates is really interesting but also i wasn't in communication with my partner right and so this was also an attempt to communicate in a way Mm -hmm. um and so i think that that is a really interesting i guess mode of of the lyrics is like when you can't speak to somebody but you're trying to communicate with them yeah and when you truly bear your your bleeding heart those are the songs those those are those are the songs that connect right oh yeah those are the songs those are the songs that connect well we get into the pre-chorus and i love this pre-chorus because it happens three times and and Pre-choruses usually don't happen. Like you said, it. This is a this is a weird, a different arrangement. I'm not going to call it weird. Different arrangement, but I love that it changes every time. And on this first one, it's just you sung alone. You say, "If you don't want me anymore," and the second line's the same thing. If you don't want me anymore, and this time only, it ends with like a flanged synth note. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want me anymore. If you don't want me. And then it stops, and then the drum loop kicks in. Yeah. And the drum loop is just kick um, and snare. There's no hi-hats in there. Um, and the, the synths are in there. And on the first uh, line of the chorus, and at this point we're at uh, one minute and eight seconds in the, in the song when the chorus comes. Uh, on the first line, just say it. It almost sounds like there's a male voice with you here. Either that or you dropped your voice a couple semitones or something. Mm-hmm. Just say it. 
that somebody else singing with you there no that's me i uh we that's you. yeah okay. we, we dropped we <laughs> dropped it down the octave and distorted it and made him made it a bit phantom like that's cool okay well we'll get into some other stuff here in a moment i'm gonna i'm gonna read through this first chorus uh just say it open your lips and lay it on me don't delay it look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore i'm not that good good kind of love you want love if you don't want me, just say it Open your lips and lay it on me, don't delay it Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore I'm not that good, good kind of love you And I also notice on this chorus that there's, I'm calling it a xylophone that's in there Delay it like yeah that uh much to my uh shame is a pitched splice sample (laughs) but that i highly manipulated (laughs) and uh cut up and chromatically tuned it's a percussive element it's uh, like i would equate it to like hitting a stick on a coffee can um okay but you said shame because i think it's a pretty cool part well i say shame in the sense that I think because I was such a new producer, I I wasn't comfortable and didn't have the setup. I was at my parents' house to record all of my own (laughs) sounds. So I think that when when I use splice samples, I I primarily use it to demo things out. And then we sound replace them with our own unique sounds because those sounds are kind of available to everyone. And so but this sound, it just worked so perfectly. So sometimes you have to kind of keep the sample library sound, and then just make it unique yourself. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I can't tell you how many times I've done something on a demo I didn't think much of it that ends up on the real recording because you can't best it. Yeah, you you're just like, I, yeah, there's, there's no valor in me trying to, like, take my glass and hit a stick on it and pitch it when the sound is so perfect. Yeah, and I like the mixing of it because it starts in the in the right ear, but then goes to the left. Yeah, kind of circles your it circles your head. It's it's really cool, and it's on uh, the just say it line, the first line. It's on the second line. Uh, then later in the chorus, it's on two other lines. It's it's sporadic, but where it's at is cool. Also, there's no harmonies on this chorus at all. Again, the song's building. That's all going to come later, but there's no harmonies here, and. I wrote male voice again with a question mark. I now know that's you, an octave down. That also happens on the line, if you don't want me, just say it. And then at that point in the chorus, this uh, snare drum comes in, okay? And then there's a hi-hat sample that's panned off to the to the right speaker. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the chorus grow without, you don't really know why, but it just kind of kind of kind of lifts there because of that production. It's pretty cool. Thank you. This is probably one of my proudest producer moments because like I had never really programmed program drums and Aaron and I actually went back and forth a lot. So my drums were very, very loose um, and he tightened them up and I was just like, those are way too tight. And so we actually went back to my original drum production and he went through and he's just like this is non-negotiable you have to let me fix this and so it's like we kind of went that detail oriented and we found this really great middle place and i think like those hi-hats those panned it's like a shakery hi-hat vibe yeah things like that coming in it was i mean that for me was pure experimentation there wasn't a lot of um intention as i was doing it i just wanted it to always feel like it was evolving and always feel like something else was coming in and something else was grabbing your attention. And talk to me about a little bit about the lyrics in this course, what you're trying to, what you're saying here. I think that I'm very direct and I think I had come out of this experience feeling like there wasn't, 
you know, it, it, there was no closure, right? There was no, mm-hmm. right? I was like an open bleeding wound and there, there was no ability to have closure because, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, that being said, like I am such a direct person um, and I so value that direct communication. And so I think going back to the idea that this song was a piece of communication, like I wanted to like, just say it, like, just, just say it. Like it's such a simple, simple concept, but something I think that everyone can relate to, but I also had no forethought. I just, that, that was stream of conscious chorus writing. Yeah. And, and as my listeners know, this is audio only, but when you're saying that I can see the, you know, I can see the heartache in your face. I can see that it, it hurts. Yeah. And I was mad also. <laughs> that doesn't help. Don't, a woman's scorn is never good. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, so we get into the second verse and I love the first line of this because it feels like it's a continuation of the chorus. Because it's if you don't want me, it's that line again, yeah. and you sing it kind of like the chorus, but then you re- you realize that you dropped into a, in, into verse two. Which that's really cool. I can't th- recall a song that's done that. It, I probably have, but I can't recall one. Whose idea was that? Or just the way it came out? Just the way it came out. Like that, that was definitely, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how I wrote it, but it it just fit so much. And honestly, I, I do things like that actually semi-frequently, like the idea of tying these, these bigger motifs into these other parts of the song. Um, so it just felt like a correct transition. Well, I really like it. I'm going to read these lyrics and we'll get into some of the production stuff. Uh, if you don't want me, just wash your hands of all of me. This line kills me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's coming. Uh, get your dick wet with someone who's easy, because I was not what you were chasing. Younger women and something to play with. And I love that younger women's not like the refrain. It's not like the overall theme you're singing over and over and over. It's just one line in the song that ends up being the title of the song. I've, I've always loved that in songwriting. I think that's really cool. There's a synth going on uh, in this verse, and there's like a rimshot snare sound that's panned left and right with each hit. So it's taking your ears kind of like, you know, ping pong back and forth. On this first line, there, it almost sounds like there's a backwards backing vocal or something happening buried. If you don't want me, just wash your hands of all of me. Get your thick wet with someone who's easy. Cause I was not what you were chasing. Younger women and something to play was Aaron that was some Aaron genius um where that's cool yeah that's cool he was just like we need something more fluid and dynamic in this section and so that's just like random very pitched down reversed kind of amorphous vocals ebbing and flowing in and out and I feel like Aaron is a master of of that type of vocal manipulation um and when he played it for me I was just like it was like it had been a part of the song forever i was trying so hard to figure out exactly is there words there and it, it, that's not meant what the part's meant for it's a production thing and it, it just sits so so well in the mix it's great yeah he did he it, it, and it's those touches where i never would have conceptualized that he really shines at it's like these these little details that actually make a world of difference right and i like that on the second line get your dick wet with someone who's easy that's the first harmony in the song yeah you know you see you save your first harmony for the for the dick line well i think (laughs) i definitely wanted that line to have an impact and i think that this whole song would lead people to right i've already discussed like i wrote this as a relationship disintegrated but like poor guy didn't cheat. Um, right. You know, but that being said, it's this idea of feeling like 
um, someone isn't willing to work hard enough. They want the easy thing, right? They want the thing that is convenient. Um, whereas, you know, being in a partnership and a relationship is this thing that is dynamic and takes a lot of work and dedication. And it's never the easier thing to, to sit and, and do that work. And so I'll, I'll clarify that point. But that being said, it's like, that's the, that's the beauty of songwriting is like, you have the truth and then you have the, the, this broader world and context for that truth where like you want it to hit home and you want it to be accessible. And so like, get your dick wet with someone who's easy is like that perfect, um, like cut in a way of just like, Mm -hmm. you know, exactly what I'm saying (laughs) and you can interpret it literally, or you can interpret it like more figuratively. Right. Well, I love that that's the first harmony. And we also get a harmony on the last line, younger women and something to play with. And on those last two lines, because I was not uh, what you were chasing, younger women and something to play with. There's that weird background ethereal voice thing that Aaron created that happens on those two lines as well that that I think is really neat. Yeah, he that the second verse, it's like short and very sweet. But I think it it definitely drives home the sentiment of the song overall, but it's to, to your point that we always want to have these new elements coming mm-hmm. in without having it sound busy or too cluttered. Yeah. And we get into pre-chorus number two. And I, again, I love it because you sing it different every time and it just, but you're building it. It's not just the first time's kind of straight on this one. If you don't want me anymore, if you don't want me anymore, it's the same two lines. Uh, the first one is sung alone again, uh, which that one's the same melody as the first time. But then the second one, the melody changes on that line and it's awesome. And in between there, it, it almost sounds like there's an oboe here with like sporadic high synth notes. If you don't want me anymore If you don't want me anymore Just say it I guess an oboe (laughs) It's, I think it, I want to say it's a prophet And I want to say that that was Like one of the original sounds of my production And I think honestly, like some of these Like random sounds coming in like uh, some were very like specifically crafted by Aaron and then some were just like sounds that I had created and then gotten really attached to um and so we wound up keeping them in and so I think kind of my um novice production brain benefited us in some ways because I was just throwing shit at a wall um and the things that stuck really stuck I love that part because, again, it introduces another sound right there, and it just keep keeps the song moving. Um, getting into chorus number two, I'm going to read the lyrics again. Just say it. Open your lips and lay it on me. Don't delay it. Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore. I'm not that good. Good kind of love you want, love. If you don't want me, just say it. Open your lips and lay it on me. Don't delay it. Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore. I'm not that good. Good kind of love you want, love. And then the last three lines weren't there the first time. So you get an extension here. It's not a double chorus. It's an extension of a chorus. And that is really cool. I, again, can't recall the last time I've seen that in songwriting. And the last three lines are love. You don't know what you want. Don't know what you want. So you hang your head in your hands and say nothing at all. If you don't want me, say it. At the top of this chorus, the full drum loop is there this time. It's mm-hmm. not just the kick and the snare. The full drum loop with that uh, that cool hi-hat is panned off to the right. And, uh, of course, you're getting your, uh, I'm calling it the xylophones. You're calling it the tin can. Yeah, whatever. The, 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 the tin can of shame is back. <laughs> 
the tin can of shame. Yeah, that's. What, I want you to give. I want you to send me that sample. I want to use it on one of my songs. I will. That's what I call it. All right, um, but that's back here on the. Uh, uh, first uh, two lines and it's uh, throughout the chorus uh, a couple more times um, but I love that the three lines happen there whose idea was that was that how it was originally written or was that something that you came up with it with Aaron no that was a, that was the original like the whole form uh, and, and core of the song was fully there it's really interesting though how it only goes three times but it it it's hard to explain it doesn't feel like Whoa, that it doesn't it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like the chorus is going too long. It, it, it feels like it should be there. But when you go back to listen to chorus one, you don't miss it, if that makes sense. Well, I think it would be improper to have it in the, the first chorus is complete. I, I, I view it as a hybrid bridge, right, because there's no technical bridge. Right. And so you have the chorus and somehow you're just melding in this uh, like, I don't know, a pr B prime section into the into the chorus because it, it okay. is a completely different section the harmony changes the melody changes right it, it, it does I, I had and i had bridge here with a question mark so you're kind of calling that a bridge too i call though. it a bridge but it, i mean obviously they're very melded together but that that wasn't an intentional thing it that was something that i worked out as i was sitting there for hours playing the same thing over and over and i mm -hmm. think that that's the beautiful thing going back to like what my favorite mode of songwriting is, is, is when you're just sitting for three hours and playing the same thing over and over again, things just naturally develop. And so you're, you get, I, I get bored. Right. And so I'm sitting playing and I'm just like, by the time I get here, I'm bored. I want to do something different. And then you start playing sure. around and grow. And then each chorus kind of reaches a new plateau. And it, the goal is to like, as I'm writing, keep myself engaged and entertained. And if I can do that, I can assume that a listener will also still be engaged and entertained. Yeah, and I and I love chorus two here because you got the harmonies all through this one. And then uh, right when it uh, before it goes to that those last three lines, so it's the last four lines here. There's this, and I in my notes wrote it uh, K U H K U H. It's like a k k k k sound. Is that the little kids you're talking about playing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a... I'm hearing something there. It's like buried in the production, but it's really cool. I don't think that's the kids playing. That's probably just like a residual percussion that, okay. as, that as, as sound elements are being pulled out, you're hearing that probably exists in, exists in the whole chorus, but... You're just kind of catching a glimpse of it. Okay, because I, I really like that. The other thing that's interesting about this track is there's no musical interludes. Again, it's four minutes and thirty six seconds. You'd think you'd have to have okay. Here comes the you know the violin part, or here comes the drum breakdown, or the guitar solo, or whatever's going to happen. And it's just it keeps going the story, but it never feels tired. It never feels like oh this is going on. The song the song goes by really quickly. I think that. I'm not good at writing music interludes into songs in general, which I think sometimes are my downfall because I think people, like you said, they people do sometimes need breaks. That being said, I really treat my voice like an instrument and the melody like an instrument. And so I think because of that, because it's this like dynamic and very flexible part of this track, it's, I guess it's just not as, um, the only word that's coming to is annoying but you know when you hear the same melody <laughs> over and over and you're just like okay cool i'm done i I, mm -hmm. I try to keep my melodies very fluid um and reactive to the music and i think that this track does that really well oh you you do a great job at it as evidenced by yeah this track alone i mean it's 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 really cool just the, the different nuances it doesn't it doesn't get uh boorish it doesn't get tiring you know the the, the melodies can continually change uh coming into pre-chorus number three and i almost put like this is 
like a post chorus here because your melody really changes here and lifts to that last chorus uh, again the first line I know you don't want me anymore is you alone and the second line I know you don't want me anymore uh, you really hold out the more and you do this uh, I, I wrote it's a great hook uh, and I, <laughs> I wrote down it's kind of like you say who 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 uh, there <laughs> when, you, when, you're, when you're singing on the more just lifts that last chorus I, I love that part thank you i think the octave up chorus jump a is always effective yes but i think that because it sits like this song is not easy to sing particularly it's very just like intensive and so i love how some of these like melodic variations in this upper register came naturally out of necessity of you know, how it was natural to sing up there. Right. And so they weren't, they weren't structured, but it was just like, oh, a holding out of that note is necessary. Or even like the run that I do in the second half, it's because I need to keep that, create some motion in order to sustain the note um, kind of in that register. And right. when things like that happen, it's like, again, creative constraints. It's like, the fact that I can't hold out that high belt for as long, it creates these other moments that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love this third chorus. And when you, the first line, just say it, there's no longer the, uh, what I was calling a male voice, your octave pitch lower voice. It's you harmonizing on that first one there. Yeah. Which is really cool. Just say it. Angry Kelsey. That's really cool. The, right? A Angry Kelsey. <laughs> I like that. That one is like that line in particular is so fun to yell. Like I can't wait to perform this song live so I can just yell it at my fans. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great. And uh, again, you it already mentioned I wrote here you sing uh, this one up an octave and the melody changes throughout. It really builds and the harmonies. Uh, some of these are really high and they're really cool. I'm also hearing that ka-ka-ka sound on the back half of this chorus again uh, that's kind of just buried back there and it just kind of takes your ear away from the melody but pulls you, but not in a bad way. It's really cool. Now I'm interested. I have to go back and like find this sound uh, and I'll tell you and I'll send you a note and be like, this is Please exactly do. what it is. But I think that it's it's funny, just the interplay of all of the melody with the very loose percussion and because mm -hmm. the the percussion is loose, but also it's like a very simple beat that really doesn't change. And so it just allows for so much fluidity on top of it right and the uh the, the tin can of shame is back on the first two lines here that's the only time it happens in this course it yeah. doesn't happen again which 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 i found interesting and on the last line here and says nothing at all it just kind of stops and that oboe sounding synth the prophet i guess is panned off right and then the music stops completely and then there's sparse piano and synth notes throughout at the end very sparse and the first line, if you don't want me, just say it, is sung alone. There's no harmonies here at the end, uh, which to me gives it just this deeply personal, you know, it's it's not two people singing, it's, it's you, it's one. Um, and you just repeat that line four times, if you don't want me, just say it. 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 
ends on this nice little uh, piano triplet and F sharp and the song's over. But I love those last four lines. It's great. Thank you. There's nothing better than taking someone on a ride and then stopping it. <laughs> right. It's and yeah. I feel like that last chorus was that like that last chorus is a ride. It's all different. It's a lot of new information. And then to kind of just suck it all out and pull the rug a bit and just be like, OK, now we're stopping. Like it's done. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through heartache uh, to, to get there. But, the, the, you know, like I said, this song's full of emotion and, and uh, you, got, you got a great song out of it. Thank you. I mean, I, how I feel about like life experience and songwriting and, and everything is I would never create chaos in my life for creativity, but I become very grateful for like life experience, whether it's phenomenal or like devastating. Because yeah. I feel like it creates opportunities for growth. And I think that this song, especially both, you know, when I look at it personally within the context of the lyrics, it provided a vehicle for growth, but also technically and like in my abilities as a songwriter and producer, I, I mean, leaps and bounds of growth for me. And so it's one of those things where I wouldn't take back any of it. I like, I'm really grateful for the whole experience and, I've kind of come out from the other end of that period of my life and this song feeling like a better version of myself. Yeah, well, every artist is different uh, with their knowledge. Your knowledge is incredible. Of <laughs> You were really, really talked me through this one, and I, and I, I appreciate it. And, you know, you, you don't count yourself uh, maybe on the level of, of Aaron yet, but, I, but I, I think you're on your way. Yeah, I, really, I really do. You're very, very knowledgeable of, of, of what's going on. And, and uh, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to, to sit in and, and break down the song. I know the listeners are going to love it. And before we, before we leave here, is there anything you'd like to listeners to know of what you have coming up any tour dates anything going on i have i believe a tour coming this fall knock on some wood uh so just keep your eyes open for those tour dates as we announce but other than that i'm i'm kind of releasing music throughout the rest of this year and really focused on making my third record uh for next year so i'm really excited and thank you so much for having me this was a lot of fun well thank you and uh again i wish you nothing but the best awesome thank you so much Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Chris Schultz and the Baron Pines. Uh, they are singer-songwriters from Quakertown, Pennsylvania, formed in 2016. The Baron Pines have a unique sound that can be best described as a secret love child of the Gin Blossoms and the Get Up Kids. Here's a snippet of their song, Home. Chris and Chris. Well, Chris, you know how excited I was for this episode. Verite has easily been one of my favorite and most listened to artists of the past few years. And I was really happy that she chose Younger Women to discuss because that's one of those songs that gives me goosebumps on goosebumps. And hearing the story behind the writing and the recording of it makes it even that much cooler to me now. Yeah, you've been wishing for her since we started this about a year ago. You said, we got to get Verite. We got to get Verite. I said, okay. And, and uh, lo and behold, you did. So my hat, my hat is off to you. Man, Verite's been on this crazy streak of releasing songs that are right in the wheelhouse of everything I love about music. She's been releasing songs one at a time for a while now, so I really get to 
add that song to a playlist and sit with that song and experience it in my car or in the kitchen or on the treadmill or at the pool or wherever. And yeah, she just has that incredible and unique voice matched up with lyrics that always seem to hit home in one way or another and then presented with like a, I don't know, cool indie pop vibe. I guess that's what you'd call it, but with some hip hop production elements that I really love. And it ends up being the perfect storm of everything I personally really like to listen to. Yeah. And I uh, don't want any of the listeners to take this the wrong way. You know, she's not a household name, at least yet. You know, uh, some of the huge, you know, pop, pop superstars, your Taylor Swift's and things like that. But she's doing it right. You know, she's not worried about the the, the dinosaur known as commercial radio. She's not worried about having a, a big label. She's got a great team behind her, as she said. And she's really doing what uh, I'm still striving to do in my career is to to use technology to the best of my ability to get my music out there. She's got the Twitter game locked. She's the Spotify, all the other things that they're doing to promote. And those are real fans. Those are the fans that are going to stick with you. And she's doing an, an amazing job. And look at how many people she, she's reaching with her music. I don't even know if she was on a major uh, a major label uh, uh, with money backing that she could achieve that. She doesn't need it. No. She just keeps doing what she's doing. You say she's not a household name yet. Well, she keeps building her fan base the way she has been, which I believe is the right way, and getting all the me's of the world on board and doing everything on her own terms, I mean, even down to the production of the music, uh, I mean, being able to get on her level as a writer and a performer is a feat and an accomplishment in itself, but hearing her talk about her process on the production side was really amazing too. No, I I, I had to say something to her. Dan. She is so knowledgeable. It was so, it was so refreshing to talk to her because, and no disrespect uh, to to any artist, there's there's just some guys that are singers and bands, or that that maybe wrote the lyrics to a song that you may have on the show sometime that you might ask them about something. They'll say, well, I don't know, because <laughs> they they don't. They 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 either weren't there or the producer created it, and you know she was there every step of the way. And then when she didn't create something, she would say that you know. Uh, producer Aaron Forbes did that, but she would know what it was, and she she wanted to know what it was because that's what interests her. You can tell, and I told her I think she's uh, she's got a heck of a career lined up, uh, be, possibly being a producer. I mean, definitely, especially since I'm pretty sure she said that this was the first of her songs that she produced. Yeah, uh, to me, it sounded like she knew the ways that Aaron Forbes could take it to the next level sonically, but. Most things that I love in the production of this song were the things that she brought to it before he was even involved, really. Or at least that's what I took away from the conversation. And that stuff aside, I once again want to make note of how amazing her voice is. It's so unique and it has such a haunting quality to it. And she's one of those people, and I know this is a cliche that everyone says, but I could listen to her sing the telephone book and I would listen to it. And to top it off, every live video I watch of her, I mean, just go to YouTube and start watching live Verite videos. She sounds perfect live, too. These aren't songs that she's just pulling off during recording and then not able to pull off live. She is the real deal on every level. Yeah, and something we didn't mention, and her publicist said, hey, you might want to mention this, uh, because I think Kelsey uh, wanted to talk about it. Uh, There's a sister song uh, to younger women uh, called By Now. So check that out. It's called By Now. Uh, I guess she wrote it after this, the the, the accompaniment to to this tune, which I listened to that. Uh, I I know you did too, Chris, and the song fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, Verite's publicist Vanessa had mentioned that she might also bring up the song By Now, which damn man, I love that song too. I just assumed that maybe the songs had to deal with the same subject matter or something. So I don't know if they're actually sister songs or whatever. She didn't actually bring it up. But yeah, go check out that song too. And uh, I thought it was super interesting that she talked about writing younger women at the beginning of the COVID lockdown because that was such an emotional time for everyone. And if you were going through a tumultuous time personally on top of everything that was going on in the world, it hit that much harder. I know I was personally dealing with hard stuff at that time and music, especially music, did hit that much harder. It's so cool that she was able to channel that, what she was going through into this song 
And uh, she made note of hard times as being a gift that she doesn't seek out hardship to channel into her songwriting. She's not out looking for that, but if it happens, she's going to use it. And one more thing that she mentioned, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, Chris, but it was that she was using the song as a piece of communication, I think is the way she put it, to the person it was about. Like when you're writing the song, envisioning the audience being the person who it's about listening to it. I think that's probably the way that I go about writing songs the most, whether I'd like to admit that to the person or not. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, she just said a lot of really cool things. And I think that's why she's doing so well is, is the attitude that she has. She said, you work as hard as you can. You strive for the best, but you keep your expectations low. And that is so, so, so important. I remember early on, I know you can attest to this, we'd be, you know, we'd get that first big break. Hey, we're opening for X band and there's a, a, a band that's the support band and we're the first band on and it's, it's in an arena. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. And you get there and you realize that the flyer was written wrong. It said that you were going on, it's, you know, the doors were at seven, but the doors aren't until 7.30. You're on at eight and yeah, it's an arena, but there's about 140 people spread out all over the place and you're kind of let down, you know, <laughs> if you can keep those, if you can keep those expectations, that's what she said. She keeps her expectations low, but she works her tail off and, uh, you know, her, her attitude's refreshing. Her attitude, the best way I can describe it, whether she looks at it this way or not, but I think it's a very DIY punk rock attitude. And her style of music might be different, but I really think that she's cut from the same cloth as us. Well, Chris, it's time to talk about this month's fundraiser. Nice. Tell them about it. Yeah, this month's fundraiser here at Krista Makes a Podcast is Star Ovarian Cancer Foundation. If you could, please head over to KristaMakesADifference.com. It'll link you to their page where you can make a donation. Uh, and, and any amount counts. Uh, we, we appreciate all your help each month to those who donate. And uh, we've done a number of, of uh, cancer fundraisers uh, on the show so far just because uh, cancer pretty much affects everybody. So once again, please head over to KristaMakesADifference.com and give whatever you have to give. Yeah, I sound like a broken record saying this, but even if you could chip in a buck or two to this month's charity uh, that benefits ovarian cancer, it makes a difference. That's why it's called KristaMakesADifference.com. It's not just that Krista Makes himself is making a difference. It's all of us <laughs> making a difference via the Krista Makes a Podcast uh, fundraising website, which is KristaMakesADifference.com. That's right. And hey, I'm still doing those custom songs for you, a loved one, a friend, a foe. And uh, Chris, why don't you roll that song again for us? Let me roll that thing. I can write you a sky song or maybe You don't want to hear me rap. Pick any other style. Trust me. I could even write a ballad for your anniversary or your birthday. Looking for a voiceover, jingle, or music for your business, podcast, or TV show? Well, look no further. I'm your guy. That's right. If you'd like your very own custom song, hit me up at kristamakes at gmail.com. I'd love to write one for you. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at less than Chris D. And uh, Chris, I hear uh, you've been quite the thespian as of late. Yeah, I'm a movie star now. Kind of. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> did you get to walk the red carpet? I actually did. Go, I did go to a red carpet, uh, a red carpet gala? Gala. 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 I don't know if it's gala or gala. I've heard it pronounced both ways. But yes, I am in the movie Back for Good. It is streaming now on Amazon Prime, and it's on Google Play, and it's on Apple TV. Or you can just go to backforgoodfilm.com. I was nervous to see myself acting, but my friends and my mom and all my aunts, they all said I did great in it. So if you go to backforgoodfilm.com, 
or search for it on any of those other places, you can see me in my uh, my film debut. That's right. You know, and, and I watched it, Chris, and I actually got lost in your character. I forgot for a moment that you're the basis for Punchline and the producer for Chris to make a podcast. So you, good job. Uh, hats <laughs> off to you. Good Thanks, job. Thanks, man. Good job. And uh, for for those of you who don't know about our supporting cast program, yeah, that's our VIP program here. We would love for you to be a part of it, and you can hear extra content with our after-party episodes. Chris, tell them how to find that. You can go to chrisdemakes.com, and for the amount of money that you would spend on one Michelob Ultra per month or, or one <laughs> or one coffee at Starbucks, you can help support the podcast, and on top of that, get Lots of extra episodes and, you know, help out your buds if you are enjoying the podcast because we want to continue to bring you great guests and great episodes. And we put a lot of time and effort into this. So, you know, we appreciate that. That's why it's called The Supporting Cast. You are our supporting cast. So, yeah, ChrisDemakes.com if you are interested. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to give a big special thanks to this week's guest, Verte, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.